This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Be sure to visit rockauto.com. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. We've got some great topics lined up. We're going to kind of hit on some of the biggest storylines from this NBA season so far, 10 games in. And here to do that with us is none other than the podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor, Ben DuBose. What's up, Ben? How's it going? Pretty good, Jackson. How are you? I'm great. I was, you know, I was wondering, I wasn't sure if I, you know, was going to have to at the bottom of the little, you know, screen thing we have for the YouTube, the little episode graphic template, whatever you want to call it. I thought I might have to put redacted under your name oh, just because of the whole Twitter situation. But we're glad to have you back because Rockets Twitter, nay, Houston Sports Twitter is a better place with you in it, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. And it, it's good to be back. I missed it, but it's it's beneficial to the soul, I think, for everybody to take a few days to sort of detox from time to time. And as stressful as the Astros World Series run was, yeah, it, it was good to get a few days away. But now that we're back into slightly lower stress Rockets games, at least by comparison, yeah, let's go. Yeah, you know, not not many. Uh, there's there's no expectations with this rocket season. We can just kind of take each game, watch the development of the young guys. And speaking of the young guys, right? Let's just you know, we've got a lot of different things. I want to get some you know thoughts from you on uh, as we you know we're ten games into this this young season and. I, I, let's start off with Jalen Green, right? He's mm-hmm. the the guy, right? He's the guy that everybody's been talking about, the number two overall pick. You know, how how do you feel about how this has gone so far, 10 games in, just his development, any concerns that you might have so far? You know, where, where are you at with Jalen Green? So I'm not that concerned about the shooting. I've seen some speculate on that, but honestly, the form looks good to me. We saw him deliver in the G League. We saw him over Summer League. I think that's going to even itself out. And, of course, we've seen that when he gets going, like the Boston game, it can be absolutely breathtaking. What I want from Jalen is going downhill, and I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think certainly the first couple of weeks he could not buy a call from the officials. You know, he had that string like the first four or five games where he couldn't get a free throw at all. And then some of it's also the fact that, look, he's 19 and his body is not filled out yet. He's talked about that. He's going up against grown men. But I think for a lot of reasons – Some of it, schematically, there's things that Steven Silas might can do, but I think more than that, it's just getting Jalen Green to trust that good things are going to happen when he goes to the bucket. Because you can see the amount of separation that he's able to get on the perimeter, even with a handle that's still sort of a work in progress, is incredible. And of course, it's because defenders, they respect his speed and his burst so much because of what he's able to do with that and how scared they are of him being able to blow past them. But yet, even with that, Jalen is still tentative from time to time, and there's times in which, you know, even though his 
passes, I've actually been very encouraged by how he's reading the court. But it's just, you know, there are times it looks like he has a potential lane to the bucket and he sort of settles for that 18 to 20 foot mid-range shot when we know he's capable of more. So my biggest thing with Jalen, I think the shooting will sort of fix itself with time. But I think you've got to do everything you can to get him going downhill more and really trusting that good things are going to happen when he attacks the rim, be it uh, certainly it'd be nice if he dunks over somebody, but even if it's just, you know, getting foul, drawing a double team and, you know, kicking it out to the open man, whatever it is, I think just getting him to take a few less mid-range shots and more just hard drives attacking the paint. To me, that's the next sort of evolution of Jalen Green. Yeah, you highlighted it there a little bit, but if I had to choose one thing through these first 10 games for Jalen Green that has stood out the most, you know, just not even from like a, you know, critiquing standpoint, it's just his passing game has been, you know, so impressive. The ability, the the way that he reads in pick and roll situations, the assists that he's been, you know, kind of racking up on a nightly basis, really, he, you know, that was supposed to be the part of his game that wasn't super polished, that he was going to have to work on. And so far, it looks like he's got kind of a natural knack for creating, for playmaking, for facilitating for his teammates. And it's, you know, kind of him utilizing those two aspects, you know, these the scoring gravity that he encompasses, plus the playmaking is what's going to make him, hopefully down the line, a superstar talent for many years to come for the Houston Rockets. But there's been, been there's been a bit of like a, kind of seemingly this almost like a referendum on Jalen Green as the number two overall pick because of Evan Mobley's strong start at the NBA level, which, frankly, I think it's a little ridiculous. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's overdone. And I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, I think it's with some of these pre-draft narratives, it's so easy to tie it up in sort of a neat little package with a bow. And I think people got a little carried away with regards to the advantages of him being at the G League bubble last year. Now, for starters, the G League bubble was obviously an abbreviated season, but I think a lot of people took it to mean that, hey, he's going to be more ready day one than anybody else. And that's not exactly what it means. The biggest benefit to the, the G League bubble is you see these guys get familiarized with NBA concepts, NBA coaching. You see them working alongside and competing with professionals who can give you sort of more of a nuanced look at who they are, not just as players, but as people as well. And it sort of helps with the whole character evaluation. But at the end of the day, especially for someone like Jalen, and I think the same thing holds true with Cade Cunningham for the record, when you're talking about a perimeter player, a wing that's you're trying to see a star in the modern NBA, there's a very fine line between a guy who's just putting up numbers and a guy who's doing it efficiently and within a context that's conducive to winning. And that's what they're trying to build with Jalen Green. And I think him being the G League bubble, he's capable of putting up numbers, but as far as doing it within the confines of winning basketball, that's going to take time. And it's especially the case, given his body type, he needs to fill out. And I think just some of the narratives were way, you know, putting the cart in front of the horse. And Rockets fans definitely contributed. I think the slander that was directed in Evan Mobley's direct direction over Summer League, uh, you know, there's some people on Rockets Twitter that are definitely getting some deserved, like, pie in the face for just getting a little too ahead of themselves. But, like, uh, part of it too, Jackson, I said in the pre-draft process, you know, we were both initially on Camp Mobley. Mm -hmm. And when I was making the case for Evan Mobley to you, 
what I said throughout the process was that to me, he has the highest floor of anyone in the draft, even including Cade, just because of the diversity of his toolbox. When you look at the fact, not just offensively, but defensively, the combination of length, athleticism, high IQ, he's going to be a difference maker defensively just based on the fact that he's an absolute freak as a human being, what he can do out there. Just a guy who can basically contest shots at the rim on the perimeter because he can move that well. He was always, from day one, going to be able to provide value on that end. And then offensively, especially if, which in Cleveland's case, you have a couple of good young guards that are able to create just a guy who has good touch and is able to shoot over 99% of the players on an NBA court. He was always going to have a very high floor. There was very minimal, in my opinion, risk that Evan Mobley was not, at a bare minimum, going to be a good NBA player. There's just The toolbox is just way too diverse. Whereas with Jalen Green and Cade Cunningham, and I think we should point that out because, of course, the next game, Jalen and Cade, Rockets and Pistons on Wednesday night, these guys, they are certainly good athletes, but their their physical traits are not just historically off the page like Evan Mobley's are. So with regards to Jalen and with Cade, a lot of it is going to come down to technique. A lot of it's going to come down to sort of how they read coverages, how they adjust. And that stuff is going to take more time. And, you know, the final point I would make on this, in my opinion, what swayed the Rockets to take Jalen Green at number two overall over Evan Mobley, and according to some reports, they might have taken him over Cade Cunningham as well, if that was an option, was that they love Jalen Green's intangibles, the work ethic, the gym rat, that professionalism we talked about that we heard about from Brian Shaw, his coach of the G League bubble, with Bobby Brown, Jarrett Jack, his former teammates with the G League night last year. The work ethic, the intangibles, that's not a day one thing. When we're talking about Jalen Green and the work ethic that we hope makes him special, that's a matter of months and more realistically, a matter of years. It's how hard do they work in practice? It's how much film study do they do? Do they live in the gym? How hard do they work in the offseason? And not to throw shade at Evan Mobley or anyone else, it's more that Jalen has this rep for just being just insatiable, basically, in terms of his appetite for success at the NBA level and just to be a star. And that doesn't happen day one. Right now, these guys are all sort of just living on their athleticism and they're just sort of flying by the seat of their pants. Big picture, what it's about with Jalen Green, it's the work ethic at the intangibles. And that's going to be a month to month, really a year to year, season to season type thing. And that's just not something that you can realistically grade 10 games into his tenure. And so I think sort of the message has gotten lost. Rockets Twitter got so excited by Jalen Green's summer league that everybody's understandably, you know, wanting to crowd on rookie of the year and see all this right away. No, big picture. The reason why the Rockets went with Jalen Green was the stuff that's going to be measured in months and years down the road. And for now, you know, certainly there are going to be some highlights and we hope that there's more Boston games to come. But I think in the big picture, what sold the Rockets on Jalen, you're going to have to be a little bit more patient to fully see it unlocked. And speaking to some of those intangibles, right? I mean, you know, Steven Silas has remarked on it a few times now. Training camp earlier this season, he's mentioned it a few times, right? Is is focusing on some of those intangibles that Jalen Green brings to the table, that he is committed to the work they're doing, that he puts in the hours, that he is focused on the film, that he is, you know, embracing the concepts of this team. And then by and large, the, the number one factor when asked about, you know, what it's like coaching guys like LeBron, Steph, 
Luca and, and now Jalen Green is the confidence is that they have this unwavering confidence in themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think at times we've seen that confidence waver a little bit from Jalen Green on the actual court. But I think over time, he's going to build that up and, and get to a point where it's just you know, oozing out of him. He's got the swagger. He's got the confidence. He just needs to be tapped into it 100% of the time, which we're going to see develop over time. But I want to talk a little bit about Steven Silas, some of his rotations, game management, all that good stuff coming up after a quick message from our friends over at Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, that you don't want, or that you simply forgot about, right? Because sometimes that happens, right? I know I've done that before. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap, one click, one button. That's all it is with Truebill. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so that you don't have to. So don't fall for any more subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com and another message from our friends over at prize picks because look if you haven't heard about prize picks it's phenomenal prize picks is daily fantasy made easy prize picks has the best nba dfs prop game on the market prize picks offers more nba props than any other dfs prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players they've got bench players only recording a handful of minutes each and every night look it's it's pretty simple right it's straight up You pick two to five players and an over-under prediction on the projections for that night. You can win up to 10 times back on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries as well. So they've got you, I mean, there's there's no limit to the number of things that you can do with PrizePix. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Continuing on with Rockets Wire editor Ben DuBose, the podfather himself. Now, Ben, this season, we're 10 games in, and I feel like Steven Silas has caught a lot of flack this season. I've been largely a a defender of him to this point. Um, Obviously this is still just his second campaign as a head coach. He's, you know, now got one of the youngest teams in the NBA. He's balancing, you know, Jalen green is the number two overall pick Kevin Porter jr. At the point guard position, Christian Wood still trying to come into his own as an NBA player, balancing all these different egos and storylines and players and all this stuff. It's a lot for a head coach. That said, there have been some, you know, in-game, like game management decisions, Mm -hmm. rotation decisions, things of that nature that I've kind of looked at with a bit of a raised eyebrow thinking, okay, what's going on here? Um, Sometimes, you know, the the game plan itself, you know, just how stagnant at times the offense looks, how much of that is because of the players versus Steven Silas's, you know, actual offensive philosophy. Who knows at this point, unfortunately, but how how much, you know, where do you stand on Steven Silas? Do you think some of this criticism is fair to this point? Do you think it's, you know, it's a little too early. How do you feel? So one thing that I think is a little unfair with the criticism is regarding the changes with Christian Wood's usage. Because I, I think at least until Shingun hits threes at a much more consistent rate, and some of it, of course, is getting his confidence up, it's really tough to do the 
the pick and roll game that everyone wants to see more out of with Christian Wood. Everybody knows he's such a great pick and roll finisher when he gets going. People point to how he was used last year. Well, it's sort of tough when he's at the four and you have Daniel Tice who can shoot threes, but he's not really respected as someone who's really going to draw the defense out to the three-point line. And then, you know, now Jayshon Tate, maybe it's been a really, really encouraging week for Jayshon Tate. Certainly the defense is always there, but the fact that his shot is coming around in his playmaking, that's a really encouraging thing that could help. But but the bottom line is that when you're starting Christian Wood alongside Daniel Tice, and then you have Jayshon Tate and Kevin Porter Jr.'s shot, by the way, has not been that good either, although at least he does draw the defense typically. It's tough to run the pick and roll game the way that a lot of people on Rockets Twitter want when the defenses can just sort of sag down to stop it like it worked so well last year you know to start less well of course everything works better when you have James Harden but also when you had you know PJ Tucker who's the epitome of you know a stretch for a guy that you can just camp in the corners and people are going to respect him and that opens up that driving lane that you know Christian can easily roll downhill so the reason I say this in the context of Stephen Silas is you know the Daniel Tice thing, and we've talked about it before, it's sort of like a square peg and a round hole type of situation. My guess is that they kind of had the Tice deal negotiated, wink, wink, before the draft, before they had Shingun. But I, I think as long as Christian's at the four, it's tough to use him exactly the way Rockets Twitter wants, just because I don't exactly know where the spacing is going to come from. Now, you can try to buy a minutes here or there. And, you know, I'm a big believer. So many things, as I said leading off, would be helped if Shingun gets really confident with his three-point shot. And so if you can maybe, you know, play the Wood-Shingun tandems a bit more, and then at that point, maybe that opens up the roles. But I just think some of the situation in terms of Christian's usage is more about personnel and less about X's and O's. In terms of Stevens' X's and O's, the criticism I would have, number one, and it's hard for me to say exactly what is him and what is Jalen, but I think you've got to figure out the biggest priority, number one, and we said this in the first segment, is getting Jalen Green downhill more often because his gifts, as I said, the guy whose handle is not all the way there yet, at the same time, to see how he can still create separation because defenders fear his burst, his first step that much, he should be much more effective at attacking the rim than he is. And again, I don't know how much of that is X's and O's. I don't know how much of that is just Jalen needing to trust his body, trust the officials, whatever it is more. But I think you've got to sort of have the Rockets take the next step. You've got to have Jalen getting downhill, attacking the rim more. And certainly there's some ways that you can draw plays that facilitate that as well. And the other thing that I would say, this is less X's and O's and just more just overall rotation minutes. KJ Martin has got to play. And this is something, I don't know if it's just Steven Silas. It might be a whole organizational thing because it's. it was really odd to me in training camp. It, it seemed like even on media day, the way that he wasn't really talked about as one of their true sort of young core guys. Whereas when you look at his numbers to finish off last year, they were really freaking good. When you look at his ability to shoot from three, the obvious athleticism, the Transition blocks, which we saw this weekend, I believe the Denver game, were just highlight after highlight. He can be, you know, I don't want to say special because that's putting way too much uh, pressure on him, but he can be a very good player. And I'm not sure how much is Steven and how much is the organization as a whole. Maybe they're still a little surprised because, after all, it's, he's basically just one year into being a second round, a late second round draft pick that they bought about this time last year, late November 
2020, I guess not even a full year yet. But uh, to me, the fact that he was not in the rotation to start the year ahead of or, or being behind, I should say, someone like Daniel House. Don't want our podcast ratings to dip. Let's be clear here. But, <laughs> you know, KJ is someone that maybe you're not able to get him, you know, 20, 25 minutes a night. But at bare minimum, give him, you know, 10, 15 minutes worth of run to see what he can do. Because he's got, you know, the athleticism is special. The physique is there. He's gotten tougher. And if that three-point shot is as good as it looked for not just a week or two, you know, we're talking long stretches of last season, then you've got, you've got something there. So I would just say, and again, that, that might tie into the whole Tice situation too. I think between the fact that, you know, they're sort of boxed in. Tice has got to play if he's healthy. That's just the reality. And then, you know, you want to develop Shingun. You've got Christian Wood. So it's not like there's unlimited minutes, really. And those front court minutes, I think especially like KJ as a small ball four. But, um, yeah, I, I would just say to me, that's the one guy that they have got to find a way to get in this rotation. And maybe Armani Brooks as well. But, you know, with, with Armani, I don't know how much they need to play him to evaluate. And what I mean by that is I think, you know, we all want to see Armani Brooks more. But at the same time, I think we all sort of have a – idea of what Armani Brooks can be at the NBA level in terms of what he brings. Whereas with KJ, he's a little bit more of a blank slate. You don't exactly know who he's going to potentially turn into down the road. And the only way that you're going to find that out is through minutes and development. And so I think, you know, with Armani, there's going to be injuries, just like when, you know, Eric Gordon missed Sunday's game with the growing tightness. We'll see if he's available Wednesday as we're recording this Monday night. They still haven't issued the injury report. Uh, but if Eric's not playing or if Eric gets dealt to the deadline because he's someone that contenders should want. And especially if it helps that, uh, well, it should help that Eric is shooting over 50% on threes, which is insanely good. Then yeah, like Armani is going to get to play. That's going to sort itself out with KJ. There's a little bit more of a blank canvas there and they need to figure out what they have. And so I don't know how much is, you know, organizationally, maybe they undervalue him. I don't know how much is Steven Silas, but to me, it's pretty clear. He needs to be getting at least 10, 12 minutes a game at a minimum, just to see what you have. I'm glad you bring up, you know, as far as some of the X's and O's on like the Jalen Green front, I'm really surprised they haven't gone to hardly any, if at all. I don't remember seeing any of it yet so far through 10 games, like some high pick and roll with him, right? Where he can really mm -hmm. get going downhill. But I'm, I'm really appreciative of the fact that you brought up the, you know, the spacing issue and the whole premise as to why we're not seeing Christian Wood utilize the same way that he was last season when he was at the five versus him being at the four this season, because sometimes... I'll have hammered home a point like two or three different episodes and then I'll bring on like you or like Kelly or like Ali Khan and then one of y'all hammers home the same point that I've been hammering home and I'm like yes this is me like I drove I drove home this point like two or three times and now I've got that I'm bringing in the big guns to like just <laughs> knock it out of the park so I'm glad you highlighted that because that's that's been you know a frustration for a lot of Rockets Twitter so hopefully you know, you driving home that point will help it, you know, sink in a little bit more about why things look a little bit different offensively. But there's a guy that, Ben, we haven't talked about at all yet, and I want to talk about him coming up, and that's Kevin Porter Jr. and his adjustment to the point guard position. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of, of makes and models, it's basically impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the car parts that you need. Why would you want to drive down, go in person, and you're dealing with the person in, in, the, in the store, they got to go behind the counter, they're ordering the parts, you know, they're checking their warehouse, they don't even have the parts that you need, right? You have a computer at home, or just in your pocket, right? Pull out your smartphone and use it, and do that there, to check out rockauto.com. Why would you want to spend up to 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts? Look, 
rockauto.com. They're going to take care of you. They're a family business that, that have been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And the best part is when you go online, their catalog, it's so easy. Look, I'm not even a car guy. It's so easy to figure out exactly what you need for your car, find the brands and specifications that you need. And then when you go to check, once you finally found the parts that you need and you go to check out, hit the little shopping cart icon in the top right, be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Be sure to visit rockauto.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, go check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd is amazing at what he does. If you care about fantasy hoops at all, you've got to go check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. He is awesome at what he does. Now, Ben, before we get into the KPJ stuff, because this is going to be an ongoing thing as we as we traverse this entire season is, is you know, KPJ getting acclimated, accustomed to the point guard role. I want to get your observations on how that process has been so far. But before we get there, another message from No, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do two <laughs> ad breaks back to back. Um, I, I just I felt like pump faking the listeners for a second. Anyways, um, let's talk Christian Wood for a minute, because what has transpired over the last 48 or so hours with Christian Wood from Mm -hmm. the end of the Denver Nuggets game to that post game, you know, press conference uh, where he said that he wanted to be more involved in the offense to then the just disappearing act of him in the first half against the Golden State Warriors and largely the whole game. Honestly, let's be honest, right? He only had five shot attempts the whole game. And, you know, it was it could be highlighted by the fact that there was a specific play where Christian was calling for the ball in the corner, wide wide open, open, receives the pass, and then immediately kicks it to the next guy. I made a point on this already. I think he was being a bit passive aggressive and trying to prove a point. What do you think about what's going on with Christian Wood? Yeah, it's definitely possible. And, you know, all the things that we talked about in the last segment, look, Christian Wood is a high IQ basketball player. That's part of what makes him successful. He's, as far as interviews, when he opens up, he's honestly one of the best interviews, probably in my opinion, the best on the team, because he will really tell you what he's thinking. He can be very insightful. And so if we're talking about this stuff, I'm sure he knows it and then some. But of course, keyword when he opens up, I'm just going to put that out there when he opens up. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And that's true with anybody. But yeah, especially with Christian, for sure. But um, the interesting thing about it is, uh, of course, you know, everything we say about his usage being different is true. But then, of course, a lot of it comes down to what we were saying the last segment. It's about personnel. The Rockets are a little bit boxed in with regards to just who they have out there. The fact that for a lot of reasons, you've got to play Daniel Tice and Shingun major minutes right now. I mean, they're basically taking up all the minutes to vibe. It is what it is, assuming health. And so that does sort of box you in a little bit. If you're Steven Silas, there's only so much that you can do. But from Christian's perspective, you know, he's a very accomplished NBA player, was getting all-star consideration last year. So yeah, of course he's going to have feelings about that. And to me, that's going to be the real challenge of Steven Silas. You know, after the game last night, Silas in his post-game remarks, he sort of alluded to it, but he downplayed it saying, you know, Christian was frustrated. I was frustrated. Silas tried to sort of give a hat tip to Draymond Green, who is a very good defender, let's be clear, but it wasn't all that. You know, as you mentioned, there's possession when he was wide open from the corner and then after calling for the ball, decided to swing it. And I thought the Daniel Tice comments were more revealing. And I actually did a story on Rockets Wire today about that in which there was a question about Christian Wood getting off to a slow start. And, you know, he initially said, yeah, we need Christian to play well. If he's not, you know, we've got to pick him up, blah, blah, blah. But then in that answer, it took, you know, 20 or 30 seconds to get to. But Tice mentioned the fact that 
you know, hey, we need to stay together. We don't need to start questioning everything and to put our heads down. And it was hard for me to listen to that and not think on some level that he was referring to the elephant in the room that we all saw. And again, the question that led to that, and there's a little bit of a winding, rambling answer, but the question was about Christian Wood. So, you know, how can you not think that Daniel Tice's comments were not at least in part, and maybe more than just a part, about Christian Wood? So, you know, I think the players see it. I think it's a good time for an off day, you know, sort of lets everybody clear their heads. That game last night, second night of a back-to-back against a great Golden State team, there's only so much that you can do. And the way they lost last week was very frustrating, including uh, the heartbreaker in Denver. And now, you know, you're at home, you get Detroit, who's one and eight. My guess is the Rockets are actually favored in that game. Christian will certainly be incentivized because that's the team that, you know, he most recently played for and they were not willing to give him the money that that Houston was. So I think that'll help to turn the page. But to me, it's more reflective. It's less about Christian and more about the challenge that Steven Silas is going to have this year of keeping these guys bought in if the results aren't there. And to me, that's what Twitter sort of leaves out in some of the analysis that I see. You know, in a perfect world, you know, we see this all the time. Fans saying, well, you know, you want the team to give you hope, but then lose the game so you can maximize your lottery odds. Well, there's a couple of problems with that. Number one, the lottery odds are flattened in general, so it's not the same advantage that it used to be. Last year, a bit of an exception because the drop-off for the Rockets was so steep. If they weren't in the top four, it would have been like, you know, it would have felt like the franchise was ending. It would have been so devastating. So not quite the same stakes this year. But the other part of it is that you do need some wins to keep these guys bought in to where the development that we hope we see from these guys like, well, obviously Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. We'll talk about him in a minute. Jay Sean Tate, who I think he's had a great week. Your younger guys, but Christian Wood's only 26. You want to see them getting better. And to keep everybody in the right frame of mind to develop and take the lessons and work together, then you need some wins. You need some results. And I think what we saw out of Christian – I'm not going to assume it's any more than one game at this point. I think, you know, second end of a back-to-back, it's been a frustrating week coming so close and not getting the results. Uh, my guess, you know, I would not make him out and have a molehill at this point. I would give him, you know, another chance if I'm a Rockets fan and I'm uncertain about it. But I do think just overall the bigger picture of the season, it's going to be a battle that Steven Silas is going to have to constantly fight. If the results aren't there, how do you keep these guys in the right frame of mind to where, you know, as the, as the losses pile up, they don't go rogue and try and do things outside of the team construct. Because even if the wins aren't going to come this year, we do hope that they develop. We do hope this is a year in which guys get better. You see the foundation getting better for the years ahead. And so that's just, anyway, my sort of way of summing it up, there's more of a balance than a lot of people on Twitter seem to realize. Yes, in the grand scheme, you're probably not going to do much this season, so you want to maximize your lottery odds. But you want to maximize your lottery odds in a way that doesn't compromise the development of your young players that are here. There's a delicate balance with that. And so when I saw the Christian Wood comments and saw sort of the body language in the first half of the Golden State game, I did think he was better in the second half, by the way. So let's give him some credit. I do think that perhaps they talked about it at halftime. We'll never know. I'm sure they keep that in-house. But it's to me reflective of something that's a dynamic that's going to have to be sort of carefully just a fine line for Steven Silas to walk all year. If the results don't come, how do you keep these guys bought in? All right. Before we get you out of here, Ben, I've got to ask you about Kevin Porter Jr. Because frankly, this is good. It's an ongoing experiment. Um, I've 
you know, I, I'm not exact. I'm not like out on the experiment completely. I've said as much, but mm-hmm. I, I've also basically come out and said, I, I don't view Kevin Porter Jr. as a point guard. I don't think he is a point guard. Now that said, I can he grow into that role? Can he adapt? Can he learn how to play that position? Or can he just be some, you know, you know, elite combo guard that is, you know, naturally a scorer, mm-hmm. but can pre- create and play make as well. In addition to that, sure. I just don't view him as a true blue, you know, floor general esque point guard, a la Chris Paul or Kyle mm-hmm. Lowry, or just, you know, Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd, you know, the list goes on and on. That said, how have you felt about his adjustment, his transition to that position yeah. so far this season? Mixed results. I mean, there have been games where the handle is not as crisp as you would like it to be and the turnovers are high. You know, I look at this in a little bit of a different way than a lot of people in that I don't think he has to be someone in the Chris Paul mode mold. I don't think he has to be a traditional point guard. I think we're increasingly going to a positionless NBA. And we talked about in the first segment, Jalen Green being even better as a pastor and in terms of how he reads things and how instinctive he is. I don't think uh, Kevin Porter Jr. has to be, especially with some of the early signs we're seeing from Jalen Green, all that traditional of a point guard to succeed. So while I'm seeing the same things that you are, I'm not overly negative based on that. What I am worried about with KPJ, and maybe worried is too strong, but to me, it all comes down to the jump shot. It's been so inconsistent. We saw it last year. We've seen it this year. To me, what's going to be the variable that determines success for Kevin Porter Jr., whether he's a point guard, whether he's a shooting guard, the accuracy from well, certainly the mid-range, but I would say the, the three-point shot, which is sort of the holy grail for a guard in the modern NBA, there are far too many clunker games that we've seen. And the, the sample is really small. In fairness to KPJ, you go back to his first year in Cleveland, I think he was, I, I want to say like 33 34% from three on decent 34%. volume. Yeah, which is, it, it's okay. Like, it's not great, but it's also not, you know, we're not talking rust territory here. You know, let's be clear. But at the same time, and shooting growth can come over time, but the bottom line is that the numbers over, you know, portions of two seasons in Houston are not exactly where you would like them to be. There's so many clunker games like the two for 14 that we saw the other day, the three of nine. And of course, the Golden State game, he had the thigh bruise. They haven't announced his status yet for Wednesday, so we'll see. But, you know, I wanted to be more efficient, but at the same time, I'm not too worried about the point guard experiment because we're seeing signs and and maybe Jalen takes over and becomes a primary facilitator anyway, or or the primary ball handler, I should say, just in that you want the ball in his hands the same way, you know, we saw James Harden evolve into that role over time. Again, Jalen's so young, it it, it would be foolish to sort of box him in, in terms of saying we know what he's going to do and not. What I just want to see from Kevin Porter Jr., it's not just a particular style of play. I just want to feel confident that regardless of the position, regardless of sort of exactly what his eventual usage is, I want to feel confident that he's going to be a starting quality guard in the NBA, and regardless of where that position is. And for me, I'm not there yet. I see that he could be, but for me to be convinced that five years from now, Kevin Perry Jr. is going to be a legit starter or better in the NBA, I want to feel confident that he's going to be an average or better shooter. We've seen nights that he looks brilliant, but again, so far it's sort of been a little streaky is the best way I would describe him. And so for me, I'm less worried about the decision-making. I'm more focused on the jump shot and just seeing him look a lot more confident from three-point range, from the mid-range. You know, we saw the shot late in the Denver game where Ryan Hollins thought it was a good look. And of course it's mid-range, but it actually was fairly clean from 16 feet. 
and he missed everything on it. Well, he hit the backboard, but didn't even draw a rim. And that's just, I guess for me, I that just one looked at, a little Russ esque. Throw that yeah, out there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like Russ Game Six, uh, twenty twenty bubble. But yeah, I, to me, it's just at this point, it's less about one specific. How is how is his turnover figure going? And it's more about just. Is he making enough shots to feel like he's clearly going to be a starting quality player in the NBA? It's not something we have to have a firm answer to right now. The sample is still very small. But to me, that's something that I'm watching even more than sort of, is he a point guard, that debate. No, and that, that's definitely what this season is for, right? It's to kind of iron out these kinks. It's to see, it's it's a developmental year. It's to see, okay, can KPJ be, you know, a starting caliber player? Can he be a starting caliber, you know, quote unquote point guard? Um, and then just to throw out these numbers, across the first five games of the season, KPJ was shooting 39% from behind the three-point arc. Over the last five games, he's shooting 19%. So yeah. it's definitely a little rough around the edges for his three-point shot. But his development is going to be something that we keep a very, very close eye on here at Locked on Rockets. Now, Ben, before I let you get out of here, I've got one more for you. It's a quick okay. one. How do you feel about the mixtape jerseys? Ooh, I like them. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I think I, th- this is, because this is they, my new, it's just like last year where I had to ask everybody that I brought on the pod, how they felt about the, uh, the baby blue rockets jerseys. Cause they debut Friday, right? They, uh, they do. No, uh, they debut. Yeah. Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. Yeah. The 12th. Yeah. yeah. There we yeah, go. No, I, no, I like them a lot. Like I was a fan of, I have warm feelings towards the pinstripe jerseys just because that was when that was sort of the start of the internet era. Like I can remember, you know, it was a game in January, 2000 that like a 15 year old Ben, I told this story before logged on to clutch fans enraged about the officiating shocker. And that was my very first post to, I can't even remember who the the game was. And of course that was the Steve Francis, Katino Mobley, Moochie Norris days, but before Yao Ming even, but Moochie. that was, yeah. You know, that was when my fandom truly turned into a diehard. Like I was a diehard before in the championship years, but I was young. That was when I was truly sort of coming into my own. And so I sort of, even though they were bad teams, that's sort of my sort of coming of age, like truly as not an adult, but you know, not just a kid really sort of coming into true Rockets diehard mode, I would say taking the next level. So just selfishly as someone that sort of looks back on those days fondly. Yeah, I want to see it. I'm excited about it. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing them as well. Ben, always a pleasure to be able to talk Rockets basketball with you. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Yep. Ben Dubose on Twitter. I am back. Yes. And of course, the Rockets Wire on Twitter at uh, rocketswire.usatoday.com for all sorts of uh, daily Houston Rockets coverage. Awesome. As always, appreciate you taking the time, Ben. Thanks for having me. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast free and available on every single platform imaginable. Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app. Also consider subscribing to the brand new YouTube channel. We are closing in on 3,000 subscribers. Please go hit that subscribe button, like, comment on the videos, all that good stuff. But for today's episode, thank you so much for watching and listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.